Band of Christian Brothers. Hello and welcome to the Band of Christian Brothers program, where men are emboldened to grow in faith and virtue, ultimately for you to become the man God is calling you to be. I am your host, David Gilbert, and today we'll be talking about seven steps to sharing the faith. Now, before we begin, you can find us uh, on Band of Christian Brothers online at bandofchristianbrothers.com or subscribe and download to the podcast from iTunes or Google Play. Follow us on Facebook, or you can find me on Twitter at Gilbert Speaker. Now, today we are joined by a good friend, Gregory Watson, uh, who I've known for about uh, five or six years, I think, and he's uh, super smart about the faith. He's a blogger at Servian Ministries. Uh, Greg, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's good to be here. Now, uh, before we begin, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I'm apparently David's super good friend, and he doesn't know how long he's known me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I grew up uh, Protestant and uh, went to Bible college to become a preacher. I uh, discovered by accident the Catholic faith there through a few courses that um, touched on it loosely and were often taught by very anti-Catholic people who you know, tried to point out how ridiculous such and such Catholic teaching was. And I was like, you know, that that could probably be, you know, I could probably put together a sound biblical defense for what you just described in about 10 minutes without even look, looking up anything. So I don't know how unreasonable that might actually be. And on top of that, you're so biased that you're probably misrepresenting what the church actually teaches. So maybe I'll see what they have to say for themselves. And of course, you know, that pesky thinking for yourself thing always gets you into trouble. And uh, a few years later, I, I ended up becoming a Catholic because they were right. Nice. And uh, you're also married and yep, went I've, to Bible college? Yeah. After So um, while I was in Bible college, I ended up meeting my lovely wife, who uh, she was Catholic at the time, was born Catholic, well, you know, baptized Catholic as, a, as an infant. Um, and so she kind of gave me that, the... Uh, I guess the experiential part of, of the faith of, you know, getting me to go to mass and such for the first time, instead of just the books and, and the learning of the faith, it gave me the chance to actually put it into practice. Um, so we got married a year after my conversion, a year and a half really. Um, and we've been married for 12 years and very happy. And, uh, yeah. So nice. So those Catholic women, they always get you. That's it. That's it. (laughs) That's uh, that's part of the seven steps of sharing your faith is definitely flirt and convert. That's right. That's well, didn't, yeah. the, didn't the church have that where it was like, you know, they'd send off the princesses and marry the other kings and oh, there you go. Yeah. It was by all those, marriage back All those medieval arranged marriages there just to, come on, Henry VIII, let's, let's get you back in line here. <laughs> so, uh, so about the, the topic, you know, the seven steps to sharing the faith. Now, you've had some great encounters with people who... You know, you've brought many back or at least brought some back to reconsider, you know, their faith. So I thought it would be beneficial to have you on since you've had uh, you've had that kind of experience. And, and also, too, the last few popes, I think it started with uh, John Paul II, uh, they've been proclaiming now, you know, this we're in this season of a, of a new evangelization, you yeah. know, reminding us of that great commission that applies to all of us just as much as to the apostles, right, of making disciples out of all nations. And so, but for many of us, that prospect of sharing our faith with our friends or coworkers, it's a terrifying thought, right? I mean, whether it's to 
uh, you know, be out in a sense of, uh, you know, you're blacklisted at work, uh, so you don't get that promotion or, you know, you're, you're being subject to hostility or just feel of feeling, uh, just the fear of feeling inadequate. What do you say to those who find sharing the faith terrifying or difficult? <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've, uh, you know, you, you hear that alleged quote from St. Francis that he never actually said the whole, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. And, and people are always like, yes, that's such a cop out. Exactly. You know what? More often than not, it's necessary. And I mean, I know that like the spirit behind that is like, you know, live that good Christian life, actually like love the people around you. And then when, you know, when they ask you about it or, or when, when the opportunity comes up, then you tell them and, and, and share, you know, where that love comes from, where, where your, you know, your strength comes from, you know, just about your faith. Um, but people are like, you know, as soon as you start that, they're like, no, 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 it's only if necessary use words. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, that's like uh, when I'm ordering pizza, I only have to, you know, use words when necessary. That's right. You salivate. And that's it. Know what is toppings it, you want? Just you know, <laughs> like just stare at it like the dog, and you're like maybe I'll eventually get something, you know. Yeah, uh, but how would you get over that? You know, that terrifying fact, though, or, or you know, it being difficult. Well, and I think uh, I think that's kind of where um, you know the, the steps that I'm going to propose kind of come in. Um, the first step is is being prepared. Um, you know, if you don't know your own faith, if you don't really care what you believe or, or why, if you're just kind of, you know, going to church because your mom always told you to, and um, it's just, you know, a habit now, um, then you're not going to know. Like, someone's going to be like, so why do Catholics do that? And you're going to be like, uh, I don't know. And, uh, you know, feel embarrassed, feel kind of stupid about it. You might not even, when it comes right down to you, you might not even agree because you've never given it any thought. Um, and so of course that's going to be, that's going to be scary. You know, it's kind of that the whole, we always fear what we don't know. And when we're trying to believe what we don't know, obviously it's, you know, someone challenges on it. It's going to definitely, you know, scare us. Yeah. So I guess like, you know, when you're doing a presentation or something Mm -hmm. else, right, the more Mm -hmm. you prepare, the more, you know, your content inside and out, the more confident you're going to be when you go and present. For sure. So I guess it's the same thing, right? If you're, if you're prepared and you know, you know the ins and outs of the faith, or at least you know the basics, the basic, you know, counter arguments. Yeah. Um, that will definitely help, right? Now, it's like it's like starting a new job, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you go in like the first week, the first month, depending on how much you experience in the field. You know, you're kind of feeling your way around. You're like, okay, where do I go? When do I need to be there? What do I need to do when I'm there? How bad is it if I make a mistake? Like, what's going to happen? What are the consequences? And then after a while, you just kind of get into the swing of it, and and it's you know. When you know what you believe and you actually are passionate about what you believe, um, then sharing it just kind of, you know, comes comes naturally. It's like, you know, you cheer for, for a particular hockey team and they're winning in the playoffs and you're excited about that. It's not like, oh no, are people going to not like me if I'm like, ha ha, my team beat yours, you know, it's, you're just, you love it, you go for it. Yeah. And I guess, too, part of the preparation, too, is prayer. And I think we need to begin that preparation in prayer, you know, in in particularly, you know, praying to God to bring those opportunities that we could share the faith and pray that he also gives us the wisdom and understanding to know what to say to people uh, that will reach to their hearts. Um, Absolutely. Um, Pope Benedict love to point out and, and we always think of Pope Benedict as like the, the scholar and the, the you know the, the theologian the one who you know is kind of the more bookish of the of 
the three most recent popes. But he was the one who talked about um, that the, the Christian faith is an encounter with a person. It's not just a, a bunch of rules. It's not just a bunch of doctrines. And so, obviously, prayers is where we encounter Jesus. Yeah. And we need to foster that relationship with him. And when we do that, and when we're praying for those opportunities to tell others about him, uh, it becomes a lot easier. And I, I would say the other thing, too, is is that you have to want to. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to understand that that Jesus is the answer to what they need, you know, for for their spiritual life. They need Jesus. And when you love him and when you know that they should love him, it becomes much more of a um, a drive to to share your faith. Yeah. And and we've talked about this too in, in other programs, but also too, we need that prayer. We need that grace. And we need to remember not to focus on our own weaknesses, mm-hmm. but focus on Christ's strength. And, right? even, and that's where we draw our strength. Even even right along that, like don't even focus on your own strengths, but on his. Because sometimes you think, oh, well, I know all these answers. I know all these whatevers. And uh, you'll you'll be so like, I got this, that you won't be used because it'll just be, you know, like St. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, who, who are you doing it for, right? Exactly, Yourself or for you know, God? St. Paul says, if, if I do all this without love, I'm just a, a clanging cymbal and a sounding gong. And uh, it's it's exactly the the case, you know. You could you could stammer there like an idiot with love and convert the person, or you could pontificate all, you know, like Thomas Aquinas, and and have all the answers and do it without love and turn people off. Yeah. Amen. So what what would be the? Uh, I believe the second point is you know have your intro ready. Now what is that? Is that kind of like your elevator uh, pitch, or is that uh, what what is that? Uh, kind of. Um, I I briefly worked for uh, a call center that answered you know for um, a major telecommunications company. Uh, I won't say which one because I don't know if they'll be mad. Um, but uh, they had this sort of seven step. Um, system like they didn't they didn't give you a script like some places you call like they have to go through the script and like doesn't matter what the person's need is you're like nope i have to go this way uh this particular company i worked for was very much uh a free flow but you had to kind of include these seven points and and i realized as um as i was working there that those same seven points could be adapted to sharing your faith and so uh the second one was yeah have your have your intro ready so you know, when somebody called and you answered the phone, instead of being like, uh, uh, yeah, hello, uh, how are you? T-? You know, you knew, oh, I'm, uh, thank you for calling such and such. I'm Gregory Watson. How can I help you today? And so when I, when I was actually working there, um, we did our, like the training session and, and we went around and introduced ourselves and, and I was just like, hi, I'm Gregory Watson. I'm, I'm a very devout Catholic. Um, and it's a huge part of my life. I love it. Um, and this is a workplace, though. This is the last I'm going to say about it, unless you bring it up. If you bring it up, I'm glad to talk to you as long as you want to, but I'm not going to be the one who brings it up with you. And that was it. And then every single day for like the six weeks that I was there, uh, I didn't last very long because I hate sales. Um, <laughs> the, every single day, somebody would come up to me with a question about the faith because they knew I was open to talking about it, but they also knew I wasn't going to be the pushy guy. Yeah. 
Now, would uh, would some of the intro be um, also to just wearing, you know, having a crucifix around your yeah, neck or some sure. kind of bumper sticker? Mm-hmm. Something, I guess, like a conversation starter kind Absolutely. of thing, right? Absolutely, and I, you know, that's totally, um, totally a very, uh, it's a very helpful way of doing it because I mean, like, you got to break the ice somehow. So wearing wearing a crucifix, wearing you know a t shirt or something. Um, you know, maybe a bumper sticker or, you know, one of those dash- dashboard saint statues or even the rosary from your rearview mirror kind of thing. Um, yeah, sometimes it's cliche and sometimes it can, you know, irritate some people or whatever. Um, but at the same time, it can be a, it, co- it can be a conversation starter. Just like, you know, you go away, you buy a souvenir on a vacation, you put it back on your coffee table, you have people over like, oh, what's that funny rock thing? And then you tell them all about your trip to Fiji or, or something. You know, it's, it's the same kind of principle. Um, it just it gives you that opening. Somebody's curious. They ask. You go for it. I uh, I actually sponsored a girl into the church this year, and the whole reason we started even talking about the faith was because she saw my rosary from my rearview mirror and wanted to know more about it. Interesting. So never never underestimate those those visual signs. Yeah. So you're because then you're inviting those people to come to you who are seeking, who are curious. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it's off- like, yeah, if they're seeking, if they're curious and they don't know who to ask, the fact that you've advertised the fact that you're a Catholic and you're proud enough about it to, to show it means hopefully that you're, you're okay with talking about it. Well, and you bring up a good point there, right? Being proud enough to do, uh, to show it. Mm-hmm. And I think for many years now, we Catholics and Christians in general, although we're the original Christians, is, uh, that's right, gotta, gotta have that little jab. Uh, but, um, <laughs> you know, we've been, ash- we've been shamed into silence, right? Where you have all these other faiths, you know, are proud or even say it's their right to show or wear certain things because it's a part of their religion, which more likely it's cultural, not religion. Uh, and, but, but we are ashamed of, you know, you got to hide that, tuck it in. It's private. It's per- mm-hmm. so, but so anyways, that was, well, a, that was a great point there. And, and I mean, to go right along with that, like, um, I think the the most obvious example in, uh, in Canada, at least, um, in our, in our area, like I've worked at so many jobs right now with, um, various people who are Sikh and, you know, so like they're obviously and readily identifiable by the turbans and the beards. And, you know, it's not just a cultural thing for them. It's, it's a religious thing. And, you know, it's a very prominent thing. Like you, you see a person like that. And if you have any understanding of, of societies and cultures other than your own, you know, that person's a Sikh. And, uh, you know, if that's all, you know, that's all, you know, but it, it distinctively identifies them. And I think as Catholics, we have those things like crucifixes and, and whatnot that can distinctively identify us. And so often they're, you know, those things that are kind of easily hidden. And and I think part of it too is is we get this, well, I don't want to be all, you know, holier than thou and, and you know, force my religion or, or you know, be pharisaical or, or I should be humble or, or whatever. And so you, you hide it thinking that makes you more holy, I guess. And I'm not sure that's, you know, the case. I mean, I know Jesus warns about broadening your phylacteries and, and whatever else religious garb to like make yourself seem holier. But, you know, if on this, uh, by the same token, you completely hide those things. I'm like, I'm not saying go out and get some huge six inch crucifix and, you know, wear it around your neck or something. Because then more people just think you're a gangster rapper than anything else, probably. <laughs> but uh, you know, 
tasteful and and you know non obtrusive, but at the same time still visible, still recognizable. Yeah. So what's the uh, what's the third uh, point? Uh that's uh that's one directly out of the the handbook from the call center is clarify, reassure and capture interest. And so people would be calling in like, "Oh, my internet's down. I, you know, it's too slow. I don't know why my bill's so high or or whatever else." And they're always angry. They're like freaking out. They're they're, you know, because they always overcharge and hidden fees. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um and so they don't know what's going on. They don't know why they're getting charged. Last month my bill was such and such and this month it's like twice as much what's going on it's like do you have netflix I'm like yes i'm like well they recently switched to high def and so all of a sudden that's like four times the amount of bandwidth and like but it's not the internet it's on my tv and i'm like <sighs> but anyway before I, before you'd even get into that you'd have to sit there and so to clarify reassure and capture interest was basically you have somebody calling in and yelling at you which never happens to us catholics you know, people don't come, why do you worship Mary or, or, you know, blah, 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 blah. Why do you think the Pope is God or something? And you're like, what? You know, and, um, you know, people are, you know, they'll throw all sorts of, of horrible accusations at you that, you know, might be true, might not be true. Um, how do you respond to that? How do you respond, especially to like an angry person? And so we were taught, and pretty much anyone who calls into a call center about their, you know, internet or phone or whatever is probably angry enough to call in the first place, because otherwise they just kind of, you know, suck it up. And so when it's the angry people who are calling, you had to, you clarified, you, you showed you were listening by repeating, you know, their objection or, or whatever back to them in a way that made it under, made them know you understood what they're saying and made sure you understood what they were saying. And then you reassured them that, Yes, you were the person who could solve their problem. And then you captured interest because at the same time that I had to deal with all these people's questions and problems and stuff, I also had to try to sell them stuff, which yeah. which is the part of the job I hated. Um, it was great at the clarify, the reassure, and fixing the problem. and then But then trying to get, oh, by the way, here's some satellite television. And uh, yeah, that was not the fun part. So I guess what you're saying is that when it comes to evangelization... Mm-hmm. Uh, the product that we're trying to sell is Jesus Christ, right? And the richness of His grace available through the Catholic Church. Absolutely. So, and of course, because I hate sales, I hate thinking of it that way. But it's yeah. it's still very accurate. Well, that, well, yeah, and I think it's something easily relatable, especially in this business capitalistic society sure. that we're in, sure. to, to relate it as a product that we're right. trying to sell. But um, how do we do that? How do we? kind of pitch that cell of Christ, his grace, and, and the richness of the church. Right. So, I mean, like, after... You, like, what do you do? Or yeah. yeah. So, I mean, after people know that I'm Catholic, because, you know, again, I tend to be pretty obvious about it, um, they'll come up to me and it's like, well, why, you know, why do you Catholics do X, Y, or Z? And so, I'm like, what, are you asking why this? Well, you know, okay, cool. I'll I can explain that to you or you know whatnot. Um, the f- favorite one recently because um, my work occasionally will uh, um, buy us pizzas or something on Fridays or, or we'll have like a like thank you oh, dinner. That's and the stuff. worst is pizza on Friday, right? And so, thankfully, those Sikhs though because they're all vegetarians. I can dip into some of their veggie pizzas. It's great. Yeah, but I veggie pizza is still not as good as pepperoni. And- well, I know. That's why it's a, a penance on Friday. So then so then they're all like, well, why don't you eat meat you on no Friday? You sushi boat? 
I oh, <laughs> sushi's terrible. I can't stand sushi. Um if I really want to be penitential, I'll eat the sushi. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I actually had conversations about it. I was like, well, why won't you eat meat on Friday? It was like, well, why is fish okay? And then having to go through, like, all the finer points. And, like, sometimes you don't know. Like, sometimes you, like, you legitimately, I have no idea. And I remember I had a friend who, who was asking me all sorts of questions because he was struggling with his own faith life and he didn't know what to believe. And he'd ask all these, you know, pastors and, and Protestant workers and such like oh i'm struggling with this i'm struggling with that and they're like well just pray about it or i don't know but i'll get back to you and then never hearing from them again and so finally one of them is like you know what my friend greg he'd probably have some answers for you and so he messages me and we get talking and you know i i'd have answers to his questions and and he'd be like wow and then he'd toss me one and i'm like you know what? I don't know, but let me get back to you. He's like, oh, sure, whatever. Here it is. I'll get back to you. And then, like, the next day, I'd be like, here's the answer to your question. He's like, what? You mean you actually looked it up and got back to me? I'm like, yeah. Yesterday, I said I'd get back to you, and I did. He's like, no one else ever did. And I'm like, really? He's like, no. And I'm like, they're just like, oh, I don't know. Just pray about it. And I'm like, well, yeah, you should, but here's an answer that you can pray about. Yep. And and it it was just revolutionary for him to to actually have someone who would follow through, and so that would be the you know the clarify and, and reassure and then capture interest, kind of like ask them that question like well what do you think where, you know, where would you go with that you know like how how does that work kind of thing yeah well I find too capturing interest you know especially nowadays where people aren't really interested in the facts or, or mm. things like that oh, or, yeah, sure. or long intellectual discussions I mean when you find one like that that's a gem and that's no, no, great right. to find but I find most people aren't interested in gauging there and I find the way to capture people's interest is through beauty Oh yeah, it's through that beauty that people then can. It kind of transcends all that, and and it gets them in touch with the divine on a on a different level. But then that sure. can open the door to start, you know, the discussion. I um I have a CD by um the Dominican friars in uh, New York, and uh, they they put out a CD. It was um the Gregorian chant, but the subtitle was like something to the effect of "Music for the New Evangelization," and I'm like that that's weird. Why would, you know, why would Gregorian chant be music for the new event? Like, how are you going to evangelize someone through Gregorian chant? Like they don't understand what it is. It's just kind of weird. Like I love it, but I'm weird. So, you know, that's just kind of, you know, obvious, but I don't need to be evangelized. I'm already Catholic. And then I was at work and I was like leaving work and I stopped to, to ask a, a coworker or something. And so I'd rolled down my window and this CD's playing. He sticks his head in and he goes, the next day he comes up and he's like, what were you listening to in the car yesterday? And so I told him, he's like, that was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. Do you think you could get me a CD? Yep. And I did. And like a couple of months later, he, he asked if I could get him a rosary. He, you know, he's like, I'm, you know, I'm really thinking of coming back to my faith. And I'm like, well, buddy, I know it really is music for the new evangelization. <laughs> well, and that's the thing too, is like, there's beauty and richness in the Catholic faith and sacred music is one of our strong points. And that's why I don't understand during Sunday, we, you know, try to be Protestant and have the folk band that's been playing since the 60s and now they're all old. Uh, instead of playing to our strengths, yeah. which is, you know, the Gregorian chant and, and everything else. So it's just beautiful. So anyways, on that note, uh, now that we've captured your interest, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back with you in a moment. 
All right, and we're back. So we were just finishing up uh, clarifying, reassure, and capture interest, which is the uh, the third point. Greg, before we move on, uh, is there anything else you want to chat about? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, to follow up a bit with that um, the the capturing interest portion of things. Um, I would say, you know, again, people are you know often hostile to to our faith for for one reason or another, and the important thing is not to get defensive. You know, they're not attacking you personally. And as much as they might be attacking, you know, Jesus or, or Mary or, you know, something you value dearly about their faith, it's not coming from, I don't think, a genuine place of, of actual hostility. Maybe once in a while it is, but um, most of the time it's like they're, they're generally just misinformed and they don't know how to, uh, to express that. So don't get defensive. That's the worst thing you can do. Be calm, be cool. And, uh, then, you know, the things like the clarifying interest, like, okay, you turn their objection around on them. Like, well, what if I can show you, you know, from scripture this? Or what if I can offer you actual scientific proof of that? You know, kind of lead them into that. And you've, even if you don't have all the answers right now, you've always got that escape hatch of, I don't know right now, but I'll find out and get back to you. And it, so the first three steps of the seven-step program you haven't even hardly done any work other than basically say hello, letting them know that you're willing to entertain their objection. Um, and again, so again, don't getting, not getting defensive, not taking things personally, but also not treating the other person as a project. You're not going into this. And that's kind of why when I said earlier about how I would introduce that I'm a Catholic so that they knew that I was a Catholic, they knew I was open to talking about it, but that I wasn't going to be the one who was always bringing it up. Kind of letting them come to you helps with this fourth step, which I term validate, um, again, based on that that customer service model from my old job, where, you know, in that context, it was all about, you know, making sure that they were the person they claimed they were, you know, getting certain bits of identification and password security stuff so that, you know, they weren't defrauding you in some way but i you know translate that into evangelization in that when you're dealing with a person that's exactly what you're dealing with is a person not a project you're not there to convert that person and i think that's that's a a difficult thing because i know for me personally i've i've had you know i i want to convert this particular person and so i'm going to do everything rather than so i was so focused on com- trying to convert that person that i didn't really build a relationship mm-hmm. right and, but but even still i mean yes you're more effective if you have a relationship with the person rather than you didn't but at the same time if it's not out of love if you're not doing it out of love and you're doing it because it's some kind of project or you know you think it's god's will but it's really your will being imposed wanting to convert that person you know how effective is that and it kind of loses the whole mission and purpose i think it's funny you you'll read the sermon on the mount and you'll think oh man that was such a great sermon there's so many awesome points in there and you get to the end and people were like wow he preaches like one with authority but there's no comment in there of of how all of a sudden like all those people suddenly started believing in Jesus. And, you know, there's a, a lot of passages in the gospel where, you know, he'll preach this great sermon and whatnot, and people will pick up rocks and start throwing them at him, you know, or, or at least want to. Um, Jesus was most effective in, in conversion when he was loving people, you know, um, like the woman at the well, like the woman caught in adultery, 
um, you know, the the centurion whose you know servant was sick. Uh, those those stories of of love of genuine you know compassion for people that was what motivated Jesus. Yeah. Well, and I think too. I mean, people can see through it, right? They yeah. they know if you're going there with a particular agenda, mm-hmm. or if you're approaching it from from love and concern, right? I mean, and this is the hard thing too, right? I mean, I'm sure we all have family members who don't live you know a moral life, or, or you know live a life that's contrary to the, to the Christian faith. And yet, you know, how do you bring up these issues, especially, you know, at family functions or dinners? And, you know, if you just come across as, you know, well, this is it, and you're kind of, you know, Bible thumping or whatever, it's it's a, it's much more difficult. Well, how fruitful is it going to be? Uh, but then also, too, like, you know, is it going to cause more damage than good? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I found anyways personally is, you know, when you approach it from love. So, yes, you know, a particular family member may, you know, be shacking up with another person. Um, but you're approaching it not from, well, the church says this and this is wrong, so you shouldn't do it. It should be like, you know, hey, how's it going? What's going on? You know, I, you know, we may not agree, but, you know, I'm concerned for your soul. And, you know, this this is why. And they may not agree with you. They think you might be, you know, a total whack job. You might have, you know, a tinfoil hat on. But they can at least see where you're coming from out of mm-hmm. concern, right? And I think, you know, that definitely lowers a lot of guards, but then also, too, you know, kind of wakes people up. I don't know. What, what's your experience? Yeah, oh, for sure. My wife and I, when we first got married, we were living in an apartment building. And uh, it was kind of, we lived at, like, the corner of, like, the L in the building. And so our neighbor and ours, you know it was kind of closer than sometimes we would have liked. And we ended up having a bit of an ongoing feud with them. And, uh, then my neighbor, his, his dad, like he was younger than us and his dad died kind of suddenly and unexpectedly. And so they were having, you know, family over all visiting and everything like that. And my wife, like lots of little kids who, you know, obviously don't even understand death or what's really going on. They're just kind of bored and, you know, causing disruptions for, you know, the grieving parents and everything like that. So my wife just kind of goes over and knocks on the door, despite, you know, our our feuding past. She's like, you know what, if you want, the kids can come over, I'll, you know, I'll put a movie on for them, I'll, I'll, you know, make them some food and whatever. And she just, you know, no thought of, you know, the fact that, you know, our neighbor who, who was Jewish was Jewish and maybe this would be the way to, you know, convert them or something. It was just, I see a need, I'm going to help meet that need because I can, I have that ability and I love this person. And I'm, so I'm going to, to reach out to them. And it was hugely helpful. And from that moment, it was like he would come over around, you know, Christmas or Hanukkah time and, and you know, on one of the nights of Hanukkah and light a candle with us and we'd, you know, say prayers with them and we'd exchange Christmas cards and, and whatnot and, and, you know, just kind of have that friendly neighbor relationship. Well, a few years later, his aunt was dying of tuberculosis, which is the same disease that ended up killing his father that, that few years back. And he was heading down to Argentina where she lived. And he was like, you know, I've, I've really been considering, you know, other religions. Do you think you could give me a rosary and show me how to pray it? Cause I, you know, I'd like to learn more about Catholicism. And so I, I did, I went out and got one, made sure I got it blessed and gave it to him. I taught him how to pray it. He went down on the plane and ended up sitting beside his, his dying aunt's bed and just feeling helpless and hopeless and not sure what to do. So he took out that rosary and prayed it for her. And, you know, she was healed, like legit straight up, the next day, discharged from the hospital, he sent me a picture over Facebook of of her and, and him standing at a, a local nearby church, 
in front of a, an image of Our Lady of Guadalupe where they'd gone to basically give thanks for, for her healing. And that next year, he, he became a Catholic. And wow. it, it literally all started with just an act of love. It wasn't, you know, oh, he's going to be our next project. It was just, there's a need. I can meet that need. I'm going to love that person because they're a person and not because, yeah. you know, I can accomplish something. And it's it's so easy to forget that part of it because, you know, we want to, you know, I don't know, put a notch on the on the belt of, of, you know, oh, I've got so many, you know, people into the faith. And it's like as soon as we lose sight of, of the loving the other person and treat them as projects, our projects will fail. Yeah. Well, and that's what St. Paul says too, right? I mean, we could do all these great things, but if if we don't have love, we're just, you know, a clanging cymbal or a gong, right? So mm-hmm. um, so that, that was a beautiful story, Greg. Thank you very much for sharing that. So after that fourth step of, you know, validating, you know, treating the person as, as a person as opposed to a project, uh, what's the next step? Uh, the next step is is resolving the issue. So somebody calls in, their bill's too high. Why is their bill so high? You figure it out. You offer them you discounts, whatever, whatever would fix the problem. If it was actually an error on on the company's part, we'd you know refund them. Whatever it is that would fix their problem, make them happy. So somebody in the faith comes and, or not in the faith, somebody in in your life comes and with their objections or or comments or criticisms or what have you. Um, resolving the issue is, is that's the actual sharing your faith part. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this is the part where you're actually doing the work. So you're finding. So, wow. So, so the first four steps, you're not even really doing any work. No. You're just being present, caring about the person. Yep. Now this is when you get to work when you're resolving these issues. Yep. So this is where you actually go through the other person's questions, criticisms, mm-hmm. objections, uh, you know, and and patiently give them that answer. And I guess patience is is the biggest thing, right? Because oh, yeah. I think we all want everything to happen in an instant, especially right. in our immediate gratification. But then also too, I think we need to realize that, um, you know, we need to be patient in the sense that we may may might not be the person that brings them through their entire journey to conversion. We right. might be, you know, the the one who tills the soil, mm-hmm. or we might be the one who plants the seeds. Uh, or we might be the one that waters, you know, uh, or or and then the other one that harvests. Mm-hmm. Rarely do we all do all yeah. of them all at once, right? It's true. Um, and I mean, and that's kind of the thing with the the, the quote unquote seven steps of sharing your faith. You know, a you know, I'm I'm basing this on a customer service model of a previous job where you know, if you were taking more than half an hour on a phone call to do these seven steps, you were taking too long, and. You know, then translating this to evangelization, you almost get that sense of like, well, I need to do all seven steps in this one conversation or I'm not doing it right. And it's like, well, no. Um, as I said, I'm a convert to the faith. My parents are still Protestant. And to be honest, I'm still maybe on, you know, after being Catholic for 13 years, I'm still maybe at step four, occasionally veering into step five, talking to my parents about the faith. You know, Um it's it's not a very you know it's not always a very quick process you know step four the the validate process the treating the other person as a person and just loving them that takes a lot of time sometimes and uh and and we need to understand that so yeah awesome all right well 
I guess number six. So we we've gone through, you know, the the resolving these issues, or at least you're working on these issues. You mm-hmm. might not have resolved it. Uh, the next step you were saying is is pitch. What what was that? Is that like an elevator pitch? Well, here I got I got a product to sell you, or what what is that in terms of you know evangelizing? It can be. Um, it can be honestly just as simple as inviting the other person to mass. Um, for example, with with my own conversion, um, as I said, like I was in Bible college, I discovered Catholicism, you know, by accident, as I said. Part of it, you know, researching papers and reading early church fathers and thinking, hmm, St. Augustine makes some pretty good points over here, but over here he sounds awfully Catholic. And then realizing, who am I to criticize St. Augustine's, you know, one of the most brilliant early church fathers' uh, faith? He should be teaching me as, you know, the 18, 19-year-old college student, not not the other way around, right? Who am I to think I have it all figured out? So I learned it very much by the books, but it wasn't until I met my wife that I actually started going to Mass Mm -hmm. because, you know, I had no real opportunity to, and I mean, you know, quite honestly, I'm an introvert. You know, I like going outside my comfort zone to talk to other people or try new experiences is not my, you know, favorite thing in life. Um, So, I mean, when it comes to these steps of evangelization, if I can do it, come on, you can do it too. Um, But the, the thing is, you know, I needed someone to bring me, mm-hmm. um, or at least give me the opportunity to go. Um, so is that what you're saying, is that the pitch is kind of where the rubber meets the road? It's like, okay, now you've gone through this discussion, you've gone through all these other steps, now it's kind of like, okay, well, why don't I show you? Yeah. Why don't you come with yeah. me and, and experience it yourself? Absolutely. Um, I guess what some people might be thinking, though, is, well, you know, what if what if they say no? Or what if they don't want to talk to me anymore after, you know, I bring them and, and they're kind of uncomfortable mm. or, you know, they had a bad experience or, you know, what happens if you, you bring them to, to mass uh, or, you know, uh, you could even do a softer approach by just doing some kind of, you know, Bible study beforehand, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, but what happens if that creates even more objections? Um, <laughs> like, what would you, what would you say to that? Well, again, I would say like it's, as much as I'm laying this out step by step as a one, two, three, four, et cetera, it's not a linear process. Mm-hmm. Yes, you'll probably be going back to four, five, six, four, five, six, over and over and over again. But I mean, you know, you asked, what if they say no? Well, what if they say no? Well, I guess you got nothing to lose, right? Exactly. Like, oh no, they said no. The world is over. The sky has fallen. I'm dead. No, wait, hold on. They just said no. You know? I mean, even if we lived in, you know, Syria or Iraq and, and ISIS was, you know, going around and we're trying to share our faith and risking persecution. Um, I remember hearing a preacher back in my Protestant days. He's like, what have you got to lose, really? He's like, if they hurt you, God can heal you. If they kill you, you'll be with God. So what have you got to lose? <laughs> And you, like when you think of it that way, yeah. and then put it in the context of of us here in our cushy Canadian, you know, uh, you know, liberal, everybody's tolerant of everybody's, you know, peculiarities, uh, culture. Okay, I've apparently hurt your feelings, or you know, you just aren't interested. This really doesn't affect me at all. Well, you did what you could, right? Exactly. You exactly. did what you could. You did what you were called to do. And, and if if you're afraid that they're going to say no, 
then you're putting the onus on their conversion on yourself. When the onus for their conversion is on God, it's on the Holy Spirit to touch their hearts, not you. You're just one instrument that he is choosing to use at that particular time. And as soon as you think that they're saying no means that they're never going to become a Catholic ever, you've changed places with the Holy Spirit where you think you're the guy who's going to save them and the Holy Spirit is your instrument. And that's backwards thinking right there. Mm -hmm. And so when you realize it's his job to save them, it's just your job to maybe help answer some objections, maybe give them the opportunity to experience the Holy Spirit's presence in their life through Mass, through Bible study, through what have you, then if they say no, yep. it doesn't matter. That's right. We're, we're the instruments. We're the tools. It's God who's, who's mm-hmm. the one who's using us to do that work, right? But, mm-hmm. I mean, if we refuse to and we jump out of the toolbox, then that's, that's on us. But we have to be, be open to the Holy Spirit. And, again, through the whole process, you know, you're doing steps one, two, three, five, and six. You're living step four. You're living validating. You're living the loving life of, of accepting them as a person and, and seeking to meet their needs, no matter what they say. They say yes, cool. They say no, you still love them. You're still their friend. You're still their brother, sister, mother, son, uncle. Yep. What and you, you still done. pray. You still try and find those opportunities. Absolutely. You don't give up. No. You just, you know, maybe you realize you're not the one who's going to convert them, you still pray. Yeah. Maybe you pray, God send someone else into their life to meet their their spiritual needs in a way that I can't because I'm their brother, sister, mother, father, uncle, what have you, you know. Yeah, so you have to pray for someone else to come in to do it because just simply yep. the dynamics of the relationship just doesn't work. Yep. So, and I guess we just touched upon the, the seventh step, which is repeat, right? And yep. I guess the, re- the repeat could happen at, at any which at any stage, really, yep. until until you get that, that progress. Mm-hmm. So I guess to, to wrap things up and to recap, Greg, what are the seven steps to sharing the faith? Just to kind of recap, because I know we kind of went through it sure. step by step. Yep. And then what would be the one big mistake... You know, when you try and follow these seven steps, uh, what's one of the big mistakes when you you share the faith? Sure. Uh, Okay, so step one, preparation. Know your faith. Know at least where you can find the answers to your faith. And prayer. Always praying, always trying to seek God's will, trying to seek a closer relationship with Him so that when you're in that situation, it flows naturally out of you. Uh, Two, have your intro ready. Always, you know, make it, Obvious without being pushy that you are a Catholic and that you are someone that is approachable about talking about these things. Uh, Number three, clarify, reassure, and capture interest. So when the conversation starts, make sure they understand that you are listening to them, that you're not getting defensive, that you're not getting offended, but that you understand what their objections are, what their questions are. Reassure them that you either know or can find out the answer. And then if you you know, figure out a way, put a hook in there that would, you know, make them actually want to hear that answer instead of just, you know, debating for debate's sake. The fourth mm-hmm. uh, that I keep stressing is validate them, that that you're not talking to them or befriending them or, you know, treating them this way just because they're a project that you want to get them saved, but that you actually care about them as a person, no matter what response they make. Mm-hmm. Um 
Five, resolve the issues. You know, give them the answers when you when you know them, and help remove those hindrances to their becoming Catholic. Uh, six is the pitch, the actual invitation, and this is this I think is is huge because we can so often. S- camp out at number five and, and just always keep battling their objections when they bring them up, but never get to six where we say, all right, what's holding you back? Do you want to come to mass? Do you want to come to Bible study? You know, give them that opportunity to say yes. You know, because if you never give them the opportunity to say yes, because you're too afraid they'll say no, then they won't say anything because you haven't asked. Yeah. And then seven, you know, if they say no, go back. Keep trying to answer their their objections if they still have them, or keep loving them. Um, and if they do say yes, you know, then there's always the next person who comes along. You know, just because you've brought one person into the faith, if if you happen to do so, doesn't mean there aren't you know however many billion people out there that still don't know Jesus. That's and right. If you've done it once, that should just give you the the courage to do it again. Yes, and I know for myself personally, I mean, in the Bible it says if you bring someone back, you know, a multiple of sins are uh, covered or forgiven, and uh, God knows I need many of that, so the more converts, the better. (laughs) So thank you, Greg, for joining us on this program. I mean, this has been a a great conversation. I I got a lot out of it. I hope a lot of the listeners did, too. If people want to find your online articles or get a hold of you, how can they do that? Um. I uh, I blog regularly at uh, Serbia Ministries, all one word, dot com slash blog. Uh, every uh, every other Friday, um, there's a there's one from me, unless I'm you know sick or something and I miss, and then you lecture me until you know. I don't lecture you. No, get it's out true. Of here. It's true. You're you're pretty good about it, but uh, yeah, every uh, every second Friday. There's uh there's an article up by me. Um I also have my own blogs. Uh one is bark with a Q, like B A R Q U E of Peter dot blogspot dot C A. And the other is Doubting Thomist. So doubting and then a hyphen, not an underscore, an actual hyphen, Thomist, T H O M I S T dot blogspot dot C A. And if you go there you will notice that both of those blogs are woefully uh neglected. Um, because I'm concentrating all my efforts on every other week putting a blog out on David's website. There you go. Um, but I hope to uh, to revitalize those at some point, or at least possibly amalgamate them. Bark of Peter is very much the apologetics, um, sort of the the bookish, more scholarly, I guess, of the blogs, um, <clears throat> which helps incidentally in the preparedness step. Uh, the second one is. Um, is a little bit more spiritual, a little bit more personal, um, kind of just personal reflections on things that don't necessarily fit into an apologetics um, mindset, as well as some of my artwork. There you go. Yes. We talked about beauty and, and using beauty in the cause of evangelization, and uh, I have art on Doubting Thomist that uh, is specifically for that purpose. Awesome. So visit out visit Doubting Thomas with a hyphen, Barker Peter and serviaministries.com. So awesome. God bless you, brother, and, and all the work that you do for his kingdom. Right. And you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Listen to us at benedictchristianbrothers.com, iTunes, or Google Play. And remember, iron sharpens iron. Become the man God created you to be. Signing off in here today. God bless you. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>